0: Good morning. Good morning. All right. Ohio how I am us? If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead, open them up to Luke chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible this morning, I want to encourage you, reach down underneath you. A number of the chairs around you have Bibles in, under them. You feel free to reach down, uh, borrow one of them. Uh, I do believe that it's very important that we follow along in the scriptures as we read through them and as we study them, that we may know for ourselves what the Word of God uh, truly says. Our text this morning is going to be a short one, okay? only five verses, as we look t- to an account detailing the interactions of two sisters and the choices they made. The title of our message this morning is going to be, The Best Part, okay? The Best Part. Will you all please rise to your feet in honor of God and His Word. I'm going to read through our text this morning from my Bible. I'm reading from the New King James Version. If you're reading from a different translation, please do your best to follow along in your own Bible. Luke writes the following in chapter 10, verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for This morning and the opportunity we have to open up your word. And Lord, I pray in like manner that we would be opening up our heart and our ears, our mind to receive all that you would have for us uh, through your word and and from your word. So, Lord, we uh, give you this time of study. We ask that you would lead us and guide us into your truth. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill me and empower me that I might operate in the strength that you give and not my own. And Lord, I pray that my words... Uh, would be your words. And anything that's not of you, Lord, that would be uh, just set to the side, cast away. Um, And Lord, we would leave this place having heard from you, having spent time with you and communed with you. We give you our morning and we give you this service. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. Chapter 10 has been a great chapter, uh, if you've been with us the last few weeks, where we have looked at Jesus and his interactions between certain people and people groups. Uh, to begin with, we looked at a certain group of disciples, 70 of them, if you recall, that were sent out before the Lord as he made his way towards Jerusalem. Then we looked at a certain lawyer that stood up amongst the masses and questioned Jesus about what he must do to inherit eternal life. And then this morning, we're going to be looking at a certain woman and her sister and their own interactions with Jesus. And each of these interactions in chapter 10, well, they tell us a little bit about what it means to be a Christian and what it is that. The Lord is expecting from us as we walk with Him uh, in this life. From the 70 uh, disciples sent out, we see that we are called to be ambassadors to the Lord, that we have been sent out on a mission to proclaim the wonderful news of a coming Savior. From the interactions with a certain lawyer, we see that we are called to be neighbors to all who are in need of God's mercy, His compassion. His grace, which is pretty much all of us. And here in our text this morning, we're going to see that not only are we called to be ambassadors to the Lord and neighbors for the Lord, but perhaps most important of all, we are to be worshipers of the Lord, choosing the best part of what it means to be a Christian and to walk with Jesus. Before we can be faithful ambassadors to the Lord or neighbors for the Lord, we must first sit at the feet of Jesus and be worshipers of the Lord, which is what we're going to see in our text this morning. Our text this morning, it contrasts two sisters who know the Lord, they were close to the Lord, but one of the two sisters got her eyes off of the Lord and ended up missing out on an incredible opportunity We're going to note the actions of these two sisters and we're going to look to contrast them with one another and hopefully look to learn a few things for ourselves that we can take with us this morning as we continue to develop our own walk and our own relationship with the Lord. So let's dive back into our text with our opening verse where we meet the first of these two sisters. Read with me once again verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Verse 38 starts off with one of Luke's favorite phrases. Now it happened. Okay, this phrase actually pops up 18 times in the New Testament, 15 of which come from Dr. Luke himself. He uses this phrase 11 times in Luke and another four in the book of Acts, which he also penned. Luke uses this phrase when introducing a new scene, a new time frame from the previous section. Okay, We just finished reading about Jesus' interaction with a certain lawyer, and now he moves on to a certain woman named Martha from a certain village. Now, we aren't told here in Luke's gospel the location of this village, but from John's gospel, we know that Martha lived with her sister Mary and her brother Lazarus in a small town just outside the city of Jerusalem along the Mount of Olives called Bethany. And so, uh, oftentimes, there are a number of Marys in the Bible, and it can be confusing to know which ones. Oftentimes, this particular Mary will be referred to as Mary of Bethany, because she, along with her sister Martha and brother Lazarus, lived in Bethany. Bethany, again, according to John's Gospel, was about two miles away from the city of Jerusalem. Now I want you to recall that the overall context and setting of Luke chapter 10 is Jesus' journey from Galilee down through Samaria headed up towards the city of Jerusalem. The journey actually began back towards the end of chapter 9 with Jesus realizing that the time had come for him to be received up and he steadfastly set his face toward Jerusalem as described in chapter 9 verse 51. And along the way, we've been seeing and noting some of his various interactions with others. But now he's almost there. He has arrived at the house of Martha in the village of Bethany, just a couple miles from the city of Jerusalem. Martha, uh, we know uh, from the scriptures that she was a friend and a follower of Jesus. Jesus, whenever he traveled through to Jerusalem, would often stay here with this family Martha is believed to be the older sister since she is mentioned first, and Luke credits her with owning the house. And as a good friend and a hospitable host, she welcomes Jesus into her home. Now, though it is, clearly, is not clearly stated here, one would assume that inviting Jesus into their home would also mean having to make room for those traveling with him as well. We know that Jesus traveled with a group of disciples. Earlier we saw uh, in this chapter him interacting with 70 of his disciples. Oftentimes even when he was able to escape the big crowds, he would still have with him his 12 disciples that were with him pretty much everywhere he went. How many were with Jesus at this time? We don't know. The text doesn't say. But I imagine, and I assume, and I think safely... That based upon what we read later in the text about her frantically trying to make preparations, that all of her work and all of her energy wasn't just for one extra house guest, but that there is a group of people that are there with her uh, and with Jesus now, it was customary in that day and age for people to welcome in those who were on pilgrimage to the holy city of Jerusalem. And part of the cultural expectation was that a host would welcome in their guests, they would then wash their feet, make them feel at home, and then they would prepare a meal for them to partake of together. Later on, if they were staying the night, bedding would need to be put together, and if they had any livestock traveling with them, they would usually ensure that they were watered and fed as well. And so welcoming people into your home and and being hospitable was a lot of work, but it was part of the cultural expectation. What Martha does here is, is quite commendable. Okay, she's definitely being neighborly and compassionate, offering up her home for Jesus and his travel companions. You know, as I consider the example from Martha, I do think there are some things that we should note and we should pick up on for ourselves to emulate. Okay? I think sometimes we look at this account, if you're familiar with this account, and Immediately, it's like, Martha's bad, Mary's good, don't do anything Martha does, do everything Mary does. Well, I, I'm not so certain that's the case. I think there's some good things we can glean from Martha here as well. And so let's look at this. First and foremost, I'd say that her example of inviting Jesus into her home is something that we should all look to follow as well. well some of you may be wondering, you know, what do I mean by that? Okay, Or how can I invite Jesus into my home? Well, I really, when I think of that, I think of it in a twofold per, uh, application. Okay, one, very simply, have you asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? You know, have you invited Him into your life as the King of your life? Has God's Holy Spirit taken residence within you? Okay, uh, is God a home here? Right? Are you a believer, basically? and so i think that's one first and foremost we need to do that but two i see it more along the lines here of jesus being a welcome guest in our homes you know if jesus were to stop by after church today at your house you know after the vbs interest meeting if if he came by and he stopped by would he be welcomed Or would you have to keep him waiting at the front door and go frantically clean up the house and do different things and maybe put certain things away that you may be a little bit ashamed of because, well, I don't want Jesus to see this, right? I mean, is he a welcome guest in your home? Because our homes need to be a place where Jesus is and where Jesus feels at home. Number two, I think another thing to highlight here is Martha's willingness to Open up her home to the followers of Jesus. Again, I don't know how many there were, but I do think that she uh, had more than just Jesus in her home. I think the gift of hospitality is an important one within the body of Christ. Being willing to open up your home, to share your life with others, it is a vital part of fellowship. It's a vital part of growing together as the body of Christ. You know, here at Calvary, we. Periodically host uh, what we like to call open hearts, open homes. We I got to go to the Dubois house one time. It was fun. Um, it's a ministry where you sign up to either be a host or a guest for a dinner fellowship, and we actually have one planned for next month. We have it on the calendar, and so I want to kind of just give you guys a heads up. We're planning on doing one of those. But listen, you don't have to wait around for the church to to plan an event like that. Okay, you can open up your home anytime. Step out of your comfort zone, okay? Invite people over. Do life together with them, okay? Minister to one another. Invest in one another. It is what I believe we are called to do as believers and followers of the Lord. And then third, and lastly, I see here Martha, she was willing to serve the Lord and his followers even though it wasn't easy work. Her example of service And her wanting to serve the Lord and his followers is a good thing. Again, I think sometimes we look at this account, we think it as Martha being the bad example and Mary being the good example. And I understand why people think that way. But the thing is, I don't know if it is an either-or type of thing. I think Martha's heart to serve is commendable. And it is something we should stir up in our hearts as well. But there has to be a proper balance. And that's... That's, as we'll see, that's where things went wrong for Martha. She did not have the right balance, okay? But still, her heart to serve, I believe, is something we should all develop in our own walk with the Lord. And so, from Martha the worker, we learn about the importance of serving Jesus and his followers and opening up our homes for places of ministry where Jesus and his followers are welcome. Let's continue in our text. We'll introduce next to Mary, the worshiper. Read with me verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus's feet and heard his word. Here we are introduced to Martha's sister, uh, Mary. Mary was also a friend and follower of Jesus, just like her older sister, Martha, we are told in our text that Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. He was, She was listening to his word. Now, it's interesting the way that it's written in the New King James Version, what I'm reading from in verse 39, because it says, she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet. And based upon this reading of the text, some speculate that perhaps Martha also started out sitting at the feet of Jesus, but eventually was distracted from listening to the Lord because of all the work that she felt needed to get done. And that's an interesting perspective, um, but it's actually only written that way in the New King James Version. If you're reading from a different version, it really doesn't read that way at all. And so um, as we look at this, we also have to note and understand that word also could be just referring to another descriptive of Mary. As if to say, Martha had a sister who was called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet. Okay, and So that also could be just a further description of Mary without any regard to Martha. Okay, While it's possible, I don't know if it fits the overall context of Martha kind of being busy, serving uh, kind of somewhat frantically while Mary sat at Jesus' feet. Now, in case you're wondering what that phrase means, to sit at the feet, that was a phrase that was used uh, to describe someone who took the place of a student under a teacher. It was the place of a pupil or a disciple, where one would sit under the teaching of a rabbi or other spiritual leader. Uh, As an example, uh, we read in the book of Acts how Paul is said to have sat at the feet of Gamaliel. In Acts chapter 22, Paul gives testimony of his own upbringing, stating, I am indeed a Jew born in uh, Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. Uh, taught according to the strictness of our father's law and was zealous toward God as you all are today. And so that idea of being uh, sitting at the feet of someone, it means to be a disciple of someone. Uh, For Paul, he was sat at the feet of Gamaliel. That was his rabbi, his teacher. And so um, an opportunity like this to sit at the feet of Jesus and to listen to his teaching It was an incredible opportunity for Mary, and she took full advantage of it, soaking in his every word. That word heard used here is actually used to describe not just hearing, but hearing with attention, to hearken or to listen intently. Mary listened intently to every word that came from Jesus' mouth, giving her full, undivided attention to the Lord. From Mary's example, I want to highlight just a few things that I believe are great examples for us to follow as well. And first of all, I want to highlight and note that Mary desired her to be in Jesus' presence. She took the opportunity that was before her and she seized it, not wanting to be anywhere else but at the feet of Jesus. And I think it begs the question of us. How often do we seize those moments to truly enter into the presence of the Lord through worship and and through prayer? You know, we pray before services here on Sunday. I usually gather together, maybe the worship team or some of the helpers, and we just pray. Um, And I often pray that we would truly find ourselves entering into God's presence, um, into His throne room as we worship, you know, that His presence would be with us as we gather, and that we would know and we would sense that he's here with us in this place. It's great to gather together, and it's great to see friends and to fellowship. And I love seeing your guys' beautiful faces, Kay. It's great. It's wonderful. I love singing songs with you guys, and I love sharing Bible study. But if we don't enter into his presence while doing so, we are severely missing the mark. I don't want to do anything in this place if his presence isn't going to be with us, leading us, and guiding us. We're just wasting our time. You know, this is something that I believe is experienced on an individual level and through that, a corporate level. You know, if our hearts aren't in it, Okay, if our minds are upon the events, maybe of the past week or even the week to come, or we're more concerned with what we're going to be doing with the rest of our Sunday than actually taking advantage of meeting with the Lord in this place, we're missing out. Okay, We're not following the example of Mary and seizing the opportunity to be with the Lord, to commune with Him, to enter into His presence. May our hearts long to be in God's presence like Mary here and not just when it's all said and done in heaven. And I think some people are like, yeah, I'm going to be with Jesus in heaven forever. You know, I've got plenty of time to be with him. I want to do my own things now. And it's like, hey, if you don't like being with him now, what makes you think you're going to like being with him in heaven, right? Like, we want to develop that relationship here and now. And know what it's like to enter into his presence and seize those opportunities. Second, I see here in Mary her hunger for God's word. Not only did she greatly desire to be in his presence, she also shows that she desired to be in his word. She came before the Lord, entering into his presence with great anticipation and expectation that his word was going to speak life to her. She listened intently to every word that was coming from his mouth. It would seem she had this insatiable appetite for his word, just kind of soaking it up like a sponge. You know, the word of God... And entering into His presence and worship, they go hand in hand. You guys, uh, you know the longest chapter in in the Bible, right? Bible scholars out there, longest chapter in the Bible. Anyone? Psalm Psalm 119. Very good. Psalm 119. The book of Psalms is a book of praise and worship, right? Psalm 119, all 176 verses of it. What's the focus? God's Word. God's Word, and worship. They go hand in hand. For 176 verses, the psalmist goes on and on and on about God's Word, His law, His statutes, His commandments, His precepts, okay? In Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, right? In Psalm 119, verse 32, he says, I will run the course of your commandments for you shall enlarge my heart. As we get into the word, our our hearts are enlarged, okay? Verse 76 says, let I pray, your merciful kindness be for my comfort according to your word. To your servants. So we receive from his word the merciful kindness and the comfort from the Lord. Verse 130 says, The entrance of your words gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. So we go, we worship the Lord, we get into his word, it brings light to our understanding. On and on the psalm goes, praising him for his word and the many benefits that come through his word. Worship and the word, they go together. And my hope is that we long to be involved in both. That we would have a heart that desires to enter into His presence through worship and that we would have a desire not just to hear His Word, but to devour His Word, to taste of the sweetness of His Word as described in Psalm 119, verse 103, where the psalmist writes, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Do we have that kind of desire for God and His Word? Do we look at God's Word and say, man, I'm going to search this out more than gold, more than fine gold. This is sweeter than the sweetest honey from the honeycomb. May that desire for God and His Word be ours today and every day. Well, let's get back to our text. We're going to see what happens next. Read with me verses 40 and 41, where we read of how Martha was bothered. Okay, She was bothered. Verse 40 says, But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Things. We'll pause right there. While Martha's heart to serve was commendable, we see here how things began to go awry for her as she became, became distracted with much serving. The Greek word for distracted is only used this one time in all of the scriptures. It means to be drawn in multiple directions all at the same time, and it carries the idea of being overburdened by various tasks and duties that leads to a place of, of worry and anxiety. You know, I think not to, you know, be stereotypical or get myself in trouble, but I think many of you moms can probably relate. My wife and I were just talking this week about all of the things she's trying to juggle and and get done. You know, homeschooling Boaz, uh, keeping the older boys on task with their online school, getting the grocery shopping done, taking Titus outside to let him burn off some of that energy. Uh, being involved in social engagements for the kids, both young and old, we got you know teens that don't want to do the same thing as our you know younger kids. Okay, then there's in addition keeping the chores of the house just going, the laundry, the cooking. She longs to you know get some healthy exercise in for her own sanity, and you know to top it off, there are ministry happenings that we are involved in that can quickly fill up the calendar. I was thinking about just this week. It's like Monday we got women's thing going on, Wednesday church study, Thursday prayer, Friday youth. We got, you know, just it, it can easily get filled up and become feeling like, man, I'm just pulled in all these different directions. It can be overwhelming. Trying to keep it all together while not getting burnt out and and without growing bitter. Here Martha is. No doubt, okay, She loves the Lord, right? No doubt. She's longing to spend some time with Jesus herself, but feeling like it was an impossibility with all the things that she felt like she needed to take care of. And on top of all of that, here we want to put ourselves in this situation, on top of all that, there her little sister was just sitting there, listening to Jesus when there was all sorts of work that needed to be done. As the younger sister living in her older sister's house, the expectation, no doubt, was that she would help out with things around the house, that she would be just as involved in serving as she was. But that was not the case. And seeing her sister there sitting at Jesus' feet while she's being pulled in all these different directions, it brought her to a boiling point. And so she decides to do something about it. She approaches Jesus and says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Martha got her eyes off of the Lord, okay, and instead was looking at her sister, and it all began to unravel. It would seem, based upon the wording here, that Mary had been helping with her sister prior to this. Martha accuses Mary of leaving her alone to serve meaning she was with her but then left to go sit and to listen to Jesus and I want to note a few things here regarding Martha and her situation maybe some things that we can learn from her that we might look to avoid when we allow ourselves to get overburdened and distracted it can be easy to look to the Lord and feel as if he doesn't care That he doesn't care about us, or he doesn't see what's going on, and perhaps we feel like he isn't doing anything at all about it. Martha comes to Jesus and questions Jesus. Lord, do you not care? I mean, do you not see what my sister has done, abandoning me to do this all by myself? Do you not see all the things I need to do and and how I need the help? God, why, why are you allowing this to happen? Because she allowed herself to get distracted with all of her serving, it led her to a place where she began to doubt the love and the care of the Lord. Such a dangerous place to be. For we know that God loves us. We know that He cares for us. We know that He sees all and He knows all things. His word promises us these things are true. But when we get pulled in a million different places, we can begin to lose sight of God and His Word. We forget the promises of His Word. Or worse yet, we begin to doubt the promises of His Word. Listen, don't let that happen to you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Never abandon the truth of God's Word and His promises to you. Never think for a second that He does not love you, that He does not care about you, that he does not know exactly what you are going through. Well, number two, when we get distracted from ministry and we feel like God isn't doing anything about it, we can also begin to feel the urge to take control, to take matters into our own hands. Martha presumes that she's in the right and that she needs to do something about it, and she actually begins to command her Lord, which shouldn't be happening, right? She begins to tell Jesus what he needs to be doing. And when we get our eyes off of the Lord, we often have a tendency to take matters into our own hands and kick Jesus off the throne of our hearts, and we begin to start telling Jesus what he needs to do. Martha says to Jesus, Therefore, tell her to help me. Okay, that verb here is written in the imperative mood. Okay? It's a mood that's reserved for commands. She is telling Jesus what to do. Tell her to help me. You ever been there before? Overwhelmed, feeling like God isn't doing his part, so you start making demands of the Lord, and you start telling, God, you better do this. God, you better do that, right? Or, or maybe maybe you guys would not do so. Maybe we would never be so bold or presumptuous to tell God what he needs to do. I'm fairly certain that there are at least a few of us that have felt maybe the urge to kickstart something for the Lord, you know, to take matters into our own hands and get things moving, you know, to give the Lord a little assist in making things happen. Listen, this is a very dangerous place to be as well. I'm reminded of Sarah and Abraham. You guys maybe know the account They felt like the Lord was taking too long to bring about the promised child that uh, the Lord had promised to them. And so, you know, they thought, uh, they got together. Sarah comes to uh, Abraham, and uh, my paraphrase, she says, you know, let's give the Lord a hand here, you know, let's help him out. You know, he obviously needs our help. Hey, Abraham, why don't you go ahead and sleep with my maidservant, Hagar? Hagar. And, you know, Abraham says, oh, no, no, that's not what he says, okay? He says, oh, yeah, that's, that's a good idea. Let's do that, right? It was not a good idea, okay? That was not a good idea. What a mess, okay? What came of that was a work of the flesh it ended up causing all sorts of pain and grief. And that's what happens when we start to take matters into our own hands, we bring pain and grief to ourselves. Works of the flesh is what results from that. May we not fall into the trap of taking matters into our own hands and telling the Lord how he ought to work. We need to trust God and the work that he's doing in our lives, knowing that his plans okay, and his ways, they are far better than our own. One more thing I think worth noting here before moving on to the, our Lord's response to Martha And that has to do with Martha's attitude towards others. As she was busy serving and she saw her sister just sitting there listening to Jesus, it began to grow a a disdain, a bitterness towards her sister. And, And when we get our eyes off of Jesus and we are distracted with all sorts of other things and we see other people who aren't feeling the same way as us or just aren't, as busy and crazy as us it can often lead to bitterness it can lead to uh, even disdain towards others we need to be careful that this doesn't happen to us martha saw her sister sitting there while she was frantically serving and she began to grow bitter towards her sister you now this can happen in life we see others you know, who seemingly have it all together while we're barely hanging on. And instead of being happy for them, it can begin to creating us a feeling of bitterness and animosity towards them. We begin to harbor ill feelings towards them or look at them in a different light. Be careful that that does not happen to you. You know, this can even happen in ministry as well. When you are serving week in and week out and you look out and you see others who aren't serving at all, or at least in your eyes they aren't, it can create a bitterness inside of you. It can bring animosity in our hearts as we entertain thoughts about others that we have no idea about. We don't know what they're going through. We don't know how they're serving the Lord in other capacities. We need to be careful. If serving Jesus leads to bitterness And animosity towards others, we're headed in the wrong direction. And God will not bless our service like he used to. Not until we deal with that bitterness. Not until we allow the Lord to remove it from our hearts. Looking at this whole situation, really the key for Martha was to keep her eyes on Jesus while serving. Because it isn't about who else is serving. It isn't about who isn't serving. It is about you faithfully serving the Lord and doing all that he has called you to do. Get your eyes off of everyone else and keep them on the Lord. Keep them on Jesus. And you will be able to avoid a lot of these problems that Martha had. Now, speaking of the Lord, let's look again at what he had to say to Martha in response. Jesus said, Martha, Martha... You are worried and troubled about many things. The Greek word for worried means to be anxious, while the Greek word for troubled means, uh, or carries with it the idea of being bothered. And and so we see that Martha was bothered. God called her out on it. Jesus says, you're bothered uh, about many things, okay? Interestingly, that that word troubled uh, has as its root the Greek word for crowd, and it's actually associated with the word noise. And so we get this word picture that's created that Martha is making a lot of noise. Okay? She's making an uproar of this situation. Okay? Now, typically when Jesus repeats a name, we read it with endearment. Martha, Martha, you know, um, oh, what have you gotten yourself into? But I wonder if it couldn't be read a different way. Perhaps Jesus had to speak her name twice because she was so distracted and not paying attention. Martha, Martha, a second time, as if waiting for her to snap out of it. He called her once, but she maybe was too distracted with everything. She didn't bother to give Jesus her attention. Perhaps he called her name twice, not as a term of endearment, but as a means of getting her attention. Uh, of getting her to calm down and listen to him. Martha, Martha, calm down. Listen to me. Look at me. I have something to say to you. Sometimes when we get distracted from so much serving and we feel pulled in a million different directions, we can sometimes fail to hear what God is clearly speaking to us. He's speaking, he, he He's calling out to us, but we're so distracted that we don't stop to, to actually listen and to take in that word. And that's a dangerous place to be as well, you guys, where we are more concerned with serving Jesus than we are with spending time with Jesus. That's a dangerous place. Warren Wiersbe uh, is a favorite Bible commentator and teacher of mine. He had this to say in his commentary on this portion of Scripture. He writes this, Few things are as damaging to the Christian life as trying to work for Christ without taking the time to commune with Christ. I'll say that again. Few things are as damaging to the Christian life as trying to work for Christ without taking the time to commune with Christ. Martha was busy about all of this work trying to serve the Lord and His followers, but she got too distracted from her work and she failed to hear Jesus speaking to her. Listen, before we can give out, we must first receive. If we are not being fed ourselves, how can we take care of others? Inevitably, we will run out of steam and we will end up either bitter, broken, burnt out, or just simply bummed down. And zapped from the joy that we have in the lord all because we failed to sit at jesus's feet and to hear from him to make sure that we receive prior to giving out because listen you can't give out what you don't have we need to make sure that we spend time with the lord if we want to be used by the lord Let's look at our final verses. Jesus highlights Mary's good choice in verse 42 and the one thing that was needed. Jesus is continuing to speak and address Martha and he says to her, but one thing is needed and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Jesus said to Martha that one thing was needed but did not say what that one thing was except to say that Mary had chosen that good part That word good in the Greek is the word agathos. Uh, It can be defined as good, but it can also be defined as excellent or distinguished or best. Um, I like the idea here of it being defined as best. One thing was needed and Mary chose the best part. Mary made the best choice, the excellent choice to sit at the feet of Jesus in worship. You know, this was something that we see Mary doing throughout the Bible. In fact, each time she is mentioned in the Bible in association with Jesus, she is seen falling at the feet of Jesus. Every time you read of Mary of Bethany, and if she's engaged with anything with Jesus, she is always in the same place, at his feet. Here in our text this morning, she's at the feet of Jesus, listening to his every word. In John's gospel, she's seen falling at the feet of Jesus, sharing her woes, pouring out her heart to the Lord as she spoke of her brother's death. And then again in John's gospel, Mary of Bethany is described as falling to the feet of Jesus and anointing his feet with costly oil of spikenard and wiping his feet with her hair. Mary knew Mary understood that her place was at the feet of Jesus, worshiping Him, listening to His every word, pouring out her heart to Him, and giving her very best to Him as her Lord and Savior. Jesus said that which Mary had done would not be taken away from her. You see, time invested with Jesus is never a waste, and it will be never taken away from us. Mary was blessed because she chose the best part, the most excellent part. She chose to invest her time and her energy sitting at the feet of Jesus in worship. And basically, Jesus told Martha that there was no way that he was going to tell her to leave him so that she could go serve him and his followers. And in here lies our last point that I want to make, and it's a very important principle that we all must learn. You guys... What we do for Christ is not nearly as important as what we do with Christ. Jesus wants us before He wants our service. Serving Jesus is good. It's wonderful. It's uh, awesome. It's something I believe we are all called to do. But never, never at the expense of of spending time with Jesus, communing with Him. We need to make sure we have a proper balance. Amen? Amen.